this episode we're going to be discussing the Babylon 5 season 5 episode The Very Long Night of Londo Malari. Now, this honestly is one of my all-time like go-to episodes to just watch by itself. Uh, you know, uh j- just flip it on in the background, have it running while I'm doing something else. Uh, simply because while it's connected to everything that's came before and it's all about uh, Londo owning up to those mistakes, it is honestly a very well-contained um, and uh, well-done character study for Londo uh, and the kind of person he is and the trials and tribulations that have happened and his mistakes and what needs to be done. It is a very powerful episode, and I think that primarily lies in the hands of uh, Peter Jurassic, who puts in a fantastic performance. He's never put in a bad performance as Londo, but especially here, he runs the gamut of Londo from buffoon, clown-type person to politician to regretful old man uh, to the real Londo under all those masks. Uh, and it, it, it is just a fantastic performance. And Andres Katsalas in the those scenes where Subgachus Jakar is there with Londo is just brilliant. So let's talk about the linear section of this episode first before we get into the big section with Londo. Lanier wants to uh, leave uh, as a result of... Uh, the entire Delin and uh, Sheridan marriage thing. Uh, so his his arc is interesting in the fact that um, it fits in all those classic uh, fairy tale esque uh, cliches of uh, uh, love is unrequited that kind of thing that uh, that that Ivanova talked about last season. Uh, and uh, Bill Mummy, who plays Lanier, did not like it, and I'm very confused as to why, because he was the one that insisted that Lanier must be in love with Delenn. At JMS, when he said, sure, I'll do that, but just understand you have to accept what comes of that. And I completely agree with him. JMS not only is an amazing writer, but he understands the implications of this. Uh, he even directly addressed the King Arthur parallels back in season three, if you remember, in uh, the episode "The Late Delivery to Avalon." So, in in this kind of story where you have the King Arthur and the Guinevere, you gotta have your Lancelot, and the Lancelot story, as beautiful and romantic as it is, never ever ends well. It's a tragedy for a reason. Uh, and that is what Bill Mummy was asking for, and the fact that he doesn't like it confuses me, uh, because some of the best stuff that his character ever gets, uh, and I think it's perfectly in fitting with the tone of the series itself. But we'll get there as we delve more into that arc this season. But his reason for leaving is, is a multitude. He kind of bounces around it. Um, never directly stating it outright, uh, because he himself is conflicted. He simultaneously wants to no longer be around Delenn because it is a constant reminder. And yet he's going to the Rangers where she's the until Zah. She is the one. And the entire thing about, you know, the Rangers is we live for the one, we die for the one. And I talked about a couple episodes ago about the symbology of marriage. 
uh, and how that relates to the Rangers. So, not exactly the best choice of place to go, Lanier. Second, he's hoping that being a Ranger uh, can instill a sense of heroism in him that may impress Dylan. What he's hoping for on a fundamental level is Sheridan is almost this larger-than-life heroic figure he came back from the dead he led a revolution he uh you know he stopped these basically god entities from fucking with us you know in all you know sensibilities he is a legend uh and so he's hoping lanier is hoping that if he can join the rangers maybe he can build a mystique around himself that will make him more appeasing to delaney it's ridiculous uh, and it's the it, it, it's a fundamental misunderstanding of not only his relationship with Delenn, but a fundamental understanding of the levels of attraction and how that works. Uh, and he's also jealous. Uh, he, he just doesn't want to see Sheridan's face anymore because if he has to, you know, maybe bad things will happen. I've seen jealousy happen in real life. Not I've never experienced it personally on a romantic level, certainly on a professional level, but never on a uh, on a romantic level. But I've seen it. Some of my friends have gone through it. Uh, and there's just this unrepentant jealousy that leads to anger and bitterness for really no reason. It's just pure spite. And so being away from Sheridan means that he hopefully won't resort to that. Uh, and uh, ironically, in a way, he's also just running away from his problems. So instead of directly talking to Len and saying, these are my issues, this is what's going on, I apologize, I understand this will never happen, blah, blah, blah. He's running away. Instead of attacking the the, fa the problem head-on and trying to solve the issue, said he wants to run away and maybe, just maybe, win her back in some heroic gesture of ridiculousness, you know? Um, and it also leads into his... If you remember back in Season 3, uh, he has this mention where he, where he talks to Marcus about how love between Mimbari is a pure love, a more um, a, a stronger love, a uh, a more concrete love than the love ro romantic love between uh, you know somebody like Dylan and Sheridan who are clearly madly in love with each other. There's this sense of the Membari superiority complexes sort of rubbed off on him. And so he views the fact that he, because he's Membari, he has a fundamental understanding of who Delenn is and what she wants and the understanding of his heart and her heart. So therefore his love is more pure than Sheridan's. You know, it's completely ridiculous, of course, but, you know, that is the way the, that kind of complex makes people think. Uh, and so he goes off and he joins the Rangers, and it is a complete and utterly cowardly move. And I think in the modern context, it would be interesting to uh, view Lanier through the lens of uh, the nice guy trope. Uh, the nice guy trope is really a, is, is a trope that really popped up due to internet culture. Uh, it's probably been around far longer, but never really had a name to it. Um... Of these people who believe that they're entitled to women and entitled to sex, uh, and uh, that they uh, and, and that a 
AAE sort of all all encompassing masculine type figure or a heroic figure like Sheridan gets in their way. Um, it's a completely ridiculous notion, and it has bred a lot of insecure people who need some very real therapeutic help. Uh, but I think it would be interesting in a modern context to examine Lanier through that. I don't think he fits it exactly, but there's a lot of that undertone here. And I guarantee, you know, that trope's probably been around for, you know, thousands of years. Uh, just never given a name uh, of uh, that, that has seen such a common usage like the nice guy. Um, if I ever do The Witcher... Which I probably will at some point. Um, I, I'm actually going to talk about the uh, the the uh, the uh, I guess the exact opposite or the the parallel to the nice guy, which is the nice girl, because uh, there's a character in The Witcher called Triss Marigold actually fits very well into that envelope um, in a lot of ways. Um, but regardless, uh, I think that would be interesting. But now let's get to the Londo stuff. So, the Londo section of this episode, um, what really drives it is, this is essentially him having a conversation with himself. You know, Delin's in the dream, Sheridan's in the dream, uh, Yovir's in the dream, and Jakar's in the dream. But it's just him. It's aspects of him taking on forms of people he either cares about, respects, or he has personally hurt. Uh... And trying to get the message through to him. He, you know, I, I like how it plays with the idea that maybe he was poisoned for the first, like, ten minutes of the episode before just going, no, it was a heart attack. Because uh, the, the poisoning route would be a really simple, easy way to go, especially since we just had an assassination plot last episode. Um, and in here, it's all centered on the fact that he caused this. That it was, this heart attack was a cause of stress, and it was a cause of you know, ultimately his actions. He is essentially suffering on a micro level the consequences of his actions. Uh, in, in that first scene where, uh, uh, with Delenn and the tarot cards, I like how he, you know, he suspects the tarot cards are going to tell his future, but then they don't. So they know it's your past. And then they start bleeding, and then when she says to flip them, and she flips them, and they're just covered in blood he can't see. Um, you know, it's all it's all about how his past decisions are bleeding into the future how his future well ultimately he sees his death he knows what his death is going to be like and he knows certain things such as the prophecy he's going to be emperor his future is going to be clouded by what happened in his past we are all summations of our memories and we all make choices, and we all pay for those choices in different ways. And Londo will be paying for his choices for years and years and years to come, as we see in War Without End and in the beginning, and later this season. He, and as the Technomage's prophecy was back in season two, you will be paying the rest of your life for one simple mistake. Uh, and that, that how he, he can't even envision his future because he's so stuck in the past um and i like how he is debates whether he wants to live or not um i don't know if you have been in a situation where uh you, you someone asks would you be willing to die 
in a situation where before your survival instincts, you may consider it. But when your survival instincts kick in, you're probably, because that's the way the human brain is designed to operate, do everything in your power to stay alive. And um, Londo is not in a survival mode just yet. And he starts thinking, you know... What what is there worth living? Maybe he can spite fate and die now instead of at the hands of Jakar. And would anybody ever care if he died? Uh, you know, he has made so many mistakes and so many issues over his life that maybe it's just worth just laying down and dying right now. Uh, and is this spite or is this self-loathing? I, I would say it's both. It's a mixture. As with everything with Londo, it is a magnitude of things it's a collage a mixture the the scene with sheridan where you have the 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 past to the future sheridan where him in his earth alliance uniform him and his uh you know w with his uniform taken off to the b5 independent uniform to the uh current or uh, you know uh to the intaza uniform and to uh, the, uh, eventually the ghostly form turning into a Vorlon-esque, uh, you know, being of light, a non-corporeal being, it, along with Londo sitting there unchanging, uh, with a bunch of empty bottles. It, it really ultimately, and it, it, it's a thick metaphor, and it's lampshaded by JMS by having Londo call this out, that this this metaphor is getting a bit thick, don't you think? Um, it's all about how everybody around Londo has changed and grown and uh, become better people. But Londo, despite how much he wants to be better and how many steps he has taken to redeem himself, he's not really changed in a whole lot. He has made mistakes and he's paid for those mistakes, but he's never really owned up to it. He's never willingly done the bare minimum. And that's the situation here is uh, when when he gets the uh, the scene with fear later, you know, uh, there, there's that talk about, you know, a prophecy is just a guess that comes through. Uh, if it doesn't, it's just a metaphor. And Londo has been living his life on this idea that on the prophecy of what's going to happen next, uh, you know, from the Techno Mage to uh, Lady Varela to his visions of his death, going, this is where I'm going to end my life. So therefore, this is where, you know, this is the trajectory I must take. He's never willingly made a choice to course correct uh and he's never really owned up to everything he did and he talks about this you know he's been dead multiple times dead dead to his family dead to his you know uh his career dead dead to his uh, uh, uh you know politics uh and uh it, it never really seemed to affect him all that much and then when he conf when subconscious Jakar confronts him, we see ultimately he is repentant. He does want to change. He does want to be better, but he doesn't know how to do it. And he's never ever said the words "I'm sorry," um, not genuinely at least, or uh, in a 
in the way it's deserved. We have seen him apologize a couple times throughout this series, but he was often in a way to get a leg up in a political situation or uh, to deal with something on a personal level, never to apologize to someone he directly hurt on a very, very personal level. Hell, the the second uh, in the second season, the Technomage episode is entirely about Londo refusing to say the words, I'm sorry. Not only that, but him finding every way around, you know, in, in the book to just completely avoid ever admitting he made a mistake for slightly inconveniencing that Technomage, much less the enslavement and desecration of an entire world, you know. Uh, and Subconscious Regard takes him through uh, some of his decisions uh, with Rifa to Cartesia to the bombing of Narn uh, to the whipping and says, you said nothing. There's a moral obligation when it comes to being a witness to something. Do you say something? Do you, do you, if you see a fight, uh, do you go in and break it up? Do you walk away? What do you do? Uh, there is a moral responsibility there to do something. Some people are too afraid. I probably would be. Uh, but in the day, if you see something wrong, it is your obligation, your responsibility. Use your power to do the right thing. And Lando kind of did, in, but he never spoke up. You know, he, he manipulated his way into trying to uh, uh, make life easier for Jakar or gain leniency from Cartesia uh, or calm down Rifa, etc. But he never stood up to them. He kowtowed to them in many ways. Uh, and that led to a lot of suffering. When he could have easily stood up. And you could argue, well, he would have died if he'd done it. He easily would have just been, you know, rolled over and killed. But technically, from a moral standpoint, he probably would have died a martyr. He would have died, died doing the right thing. Whatever your opinion on it is, that is the moral obligation of the witness. Depending on circumstances, I say sometimes that, that more obligation applies and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, in this case, I'm not sure. But at the end of the day, he at least, he at least deserved to have said to Jakar that one word. That one word is, I'm sorry, you know, simple, easy. He never said it. And Jakar says, were you uh, sorry that, uh, that you did this? That you are you really repentant, or are you just sorry that you got caught? And we see from a, a, a exacerbated and a very scared Londo that he truly was repentant. He just didn't know how to go about it. And this is capitalized further when after the heart attack scenes, uh, when he's talking with Vir and he talks about how he read some of the old uh, stories, uh, the old legends of the Centauri, and how a great spirit born in a corrupt body, uh, you know, can, uh, can choose to leave the body and, uh, th there comes a moral judgment basically. And how he never heard that story. Londo essentially, uh, was shielded, uh, from consequence. 
his entire life. He's never had to own up to his mistakes and his choices before. And now that he has, he understands the weight of that. Uh, and he is stuck in a way. And he, the only way going forward is to say, I'm sorry. Uh, it's the first step anybody who is repentant must take. I'm sorry. And that scene where, you know, a, you know, a practically not coherent Londo turns to Jakar and says, I'm sorry. And Jakar has this simultaneous smile while also looking like he's about to cry and then he just, he leaves. Brilliant scene. And what adds to that is that if you remember all the way back in the coming of shadows back in season two, there was a uh, Centauri Emperor, you know, much like our incumbent Emperor here in this episode, who came to see Jakar uh, and suffered a heart attack. And what were the words he was going to tell Jakar before he suffered that heart attack? I'm sorry. It ties all the way back in that someone like Emperor Turhan, who made... Jakar realize that maybe, just maybe, there is a chance that there was a morally superior good side to the Centauri uh, that was snuffed out. Maybe it lies again in the person he hated the most. That someone like Londo, who's made all these mistakes and done all these problems and you know, in many ways has, you know, made the bed that he now has to sleep in. Maybe just maybe he's learned from those mistakes. Maybe he's paid for those consequences and maybe he's come out of it a better person. And that honestly is the wonderfulness of this episode. It's about repentance. It's about acceptance. It's about apologizing. It's about owning up, not swiping away the issues you caused but owning up to them and saying there's no way you can forgive me but I apologize anyway because it's the right thing to do and it honestly has some of the best scenes between Londo and Jakar even though it's not actually Jakar and not actually Londo you know in it's all in Londo's head you know the inversion of having Londo whipped uh, you know, in, in, in the, the entire scene of you said nothing drives home this point. And I think, you know, rewatching this episode several times, there's a weight to this episode. It feels like all the actors are in tune with the idea of, re, uh, of that the, the general theme is repentance and the regrets that we all have because if you watch all the scenes all the dialogue scenes especially are on a much slower pace than they usually are and there t there's a lot of pauses and beats between sentences um and uh focus on um regret in the things not said uh in every dialogue scene even between characters that aren't londo uh that feels like the actors and maybe the script itself is placating towards this. I don't know. I, I have some of the scripts. I don't have the scripts all the way to season five yet. I'm working on that. Um, is, is basically saying that 
this has been a long journey. This is the kind of episode you only get from a long serialized narrative of someone owning up to the mistakes we have watched them make. Uh, and now that the five years are almost up, that these five very short years have weighed down on everyone, and they're all paying for their choices now. Uh, and everything that's happened happened in such a short time, and yet it's caused so much grief and so much happiness all at the same time. So, at the end of the day, one must look at, uh, you know, look at someone in the eye and just say, I'm sorry. And I think that's an important lesson, is the is to own up to your mistakes. Um, and that everybody has regrets. Everybody makes dumb choices. Uh, and certainly Londo's is a far, far more catastrophic level than any of us would ever make. But I think, at the end of the day, accepting responsibility for your actions and the actions of others and just sort of coming together and acknowledging mistakes and actions and moving forward uh, is a very, very important lesson. And a lesson I hope many people learn. Because I've encountered many people who can't accept that apology isn't enough. And that saddens me. Uh, that it's the first step towards repentance. It's a long road, but it is the first step. This is honestly a fantastic episode, and anybody who says season five is skippable, I point directly at this episode and say, are you sure? Because this episode is amazing. So, once again... I say season five certainly is a mixed bag, depending on your opinions and the, in uh, in how much you like certain characters. But this right here, the second episode of season five, proves its worth immediately. But anyway, I'll see you next time. Till then, bye. <laughs>